0: This is 100 Days of Dante, a podcast journey through Dante's divine comedy, one canto at a time. Join us online at 100daysofdante.com. Let's read together. Have you been following Dante's ship and your little bark, your boat? Have you made it all the way through hell and on up through Mount Purgatory? Have you eaten the bread of angels and been fully satisfied? If you answered in the negative to the last question, you can read no further. Or so Dante tells us at the beginning of Paradise 2. Our poet kicks off the second canto and the final canticle with a provocation to his readers. O you, eager to hear more, who have followed in your little bark my ship that singing makes its way, turn back if you would see your shores again. The intrepid reader has reached a point of no return, but Dante is not done with us. He follows this provocation with the qualification, that only a select few will persist in navigating their boats in paradise. Voi altri pochi che drizzaste il collo per tempo al pan degli angeli, dal quale se qui ma non sen vien satolo, metter potete ben per l'alto sale vostro navigio, servando mio solco dinanzi all'acqua che ritorna quale. It is only those few who crane their necks in time to reach for angels' bread who may set out, keeping to the furrow that Dante has made with his ship, that is, his poem. In other words, only those who understand the full truth of Christian revelation will be able to grasp the meaning of this canticle. It is not for everyone. Dante is both playful and severe. He warns his readers of what lies ahead, and he also posits that non-Christians, non-believers, will not find salvation, for they do not know the Pan degli Angeli, the bread of angels. The status of one's soul is, alas, serious business for Dante. But he doesn't challenge us out of malice, not really. After making it through inferno and transiting up purgatory, Paradise will test the reader, intellectually, spiritually. Dante knows this. In Paradise 1, we should recall, he writes that he who comes down from there can neither know nor tell what he has seen, for drawing near to its desire so deeply is our intellect immersed, that memory cannot follow it. Dante is right. Paradise is difficult. It is technically complex. It's often said to be too abstruse, too theological. But there's so much good and truth here. I must admit, though, that whenever I read this second canto of Paradise— I put in the mind of Dante's complaint to Virgil way back in Inferno three, when he says of the words inscribed above the gates of hell, Maestro, el or senso mi è duro. Master, the meaning of the words is hard. The late American critic Robert Hollander called Paradise II perhaps the most labored and unwelcoming of the entire poem. Does that inspire you? But fear not, for even those of us who are not scientifically inclined can rescue at least the senso, from Beatrice's reply to Dante's query regarding the dark spots on the moon that will go on to occupy the bulk of this canto. July 16th, 1969, astronauts Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin become the first humans to step foot on another celestial body. Or were they? From Paradise 2, Beatrice and Dante, still possessing a human body, find themselves in the sphere of the moon. Dante, at least in the imagination, is a sort of avant-garde Elon Musk, trying to get to space. He gets there, but how did he get there? Time and again in Paradise, we're reminded that Dante's character is not quite ready to put his eyes on God. Though Dante's love for Beatrice is healthy, it's Christian, it still distracts him from the ultimate object of our love, God himself. Dante is, at least here, aware of this. Beatrice is described as she from whom my thoughts could not be kept. Indeed, Dante arrives in the sphere of the moon almost without realizing it. For while Beatrice was gazing upward, he, on the other hand, and I quote, had his gaze fixed on her, verse 22. Beatrice must remind Dante's character to direct his grateful mind to God. The greater part of this canto will be taken up by this intensely scientific discussion of the dark spots on the moon. Let's walk through this together. As I said, paradise is not for the faint of heart. First, though, I would like to provide an alternate, hopefully helpful method to reading this canto. One strategy to making your way through the Commedia is to do so vertically. That is to read same numbered canti in the different canticles Inferno, Purgatory, and Paradise. The most well-known of the vertical readings is that of the sixes, where Dante treats local Florentine politics, national politics, and finally in paradise, imperial politics. Understanding the intricate architecture of the poem vertically can help to illumine certain themes, even here in this most unwelcoming canto. For example, there is in the second purgatorial canto and in the second canto of paradise, an intensity of focus on the corpo, the body, both human and celestial. In Purgatory II, Dante meets his old friend, the musician Cazella, whom he asks to stay a while and chat. Cazella responds to Dante's request, Risposimi, così com'io ti amai in mortal corpo, così ti amo sciolto. He replied, even as I loved you in my mortal flesh, so do I love you freed from it. Cazella's lack of materiality had been made clear when the two old friends attempted to embrace a few lines earlier, and one of the most poignant tersets of the entire poem Dante wraps his arms around Casella, only to find that the musician's body is, in a sense, virtual. Three times I clasp my hands behind him, only to find them clasped to my own chest. In Paradise too, Dante asks Beatrice about the moon, with a constellation of words that recalls his conversation with Casella in Purgatory. Io risposi, Madonna, si devoto come esser posso più, ringrazio lui lo qual da mortal mondo mi ha rimoto, ma ditemi... I replied, My Lady, with absolute devotion I offer thanks to him who has removed me from the world of death. But tell me, what are the dark spots on this body? Both Purgatory too and Paradise too, then, are concerned with materiality. The question of materiality in bodies also brings us back to earlier moments in the Inferno. Think about the astonishment of the shades when they realize that Dante possesses a human body, yet he is in hell. So how does Dante understand the materiality of the moon in Paradise 2? What is the role of this scientifically and philosophically dense canto? Dante's character following Aristotle first proposes that the dark spots on the moon are the fruit of the relative differences in the weight of matter. The different shadings, he tells Beatrice, here are caused, I think, by bodies rare and dense. Beatrice chides him. She is unequivocal. She does not take on the role of supportive teacher who says, well, that's a good start, Dante, but not quite right. Instead, she says, no doubt, but you shall see that this belief lies deep in error. The moon's dark spots, she counters, cannot be due to rare matter, for if they were, light from the sun would shine through that rare matter during the eclipse. She then takes down his argument by way of the mirror experiment. If dense and rare matter determine the dark and the bright, she says, then the light generated by two equidistant mirrors and a third one behind and in the middle of them would not be equal. So let's return briefly to the question I posed just a few minutes ago. What is the objective of this dense canto? Beatrice ultimately resolves Dante's question by turning to theology. Whereas Dante's character had tried to account for the moon's dark spots from a purely physical point of view, Beatrice argues that observation and physical science are not enough. Ragione a corte leali, reasons wings fall short when dependent on the senses alone. Forget about density of matter. The differentiations on the moon's surface have their origins in theology. It is angelic intelligence that determines light and dark. Metaphysics, not physics. The bread of the angels and not bread and substance. The angels of the ninth sphere are responsible for the varying shades on the moon. The nature of each star, for Dante refers to the moon alternately as star, planet, and body, marries its angelic partner, and this creates dark and light. And I quote, So angelic intelligence unfolds its bounty, and makes a different alloy with each precious body. From this power is derived the difference seen from light to light, and not from dense and rare. End quote. In the end, in all its laboriousness, this canto is significant. In it, Dante says, we have the key to paradise, theology. Later, in Paradise 25, Dante will cement this reading key when he calls his epic the Poema Sacro, sacred poem to which heaven and earth have set their hand. After all, as we read in the letter attributed to Dante, written to the patron from Verona, Cangrande della Scala, and I quote, and since the principle of the prime being found, that is God, there is nothing more to be sought, since he is the Alpha and Omega, that is the beginning and the end, as the vision of John calls him. This treatise is ended with God himself, who is blessed throughout the ages. Let's get back in our boats and continue to follow Dante. Thank you for reading Dante's Divine Comedy with us. Continue the journey at 100daysofdante.com. 100 Days of Dante is brought to you by the Baylor University Honors College, with support from the Tory Honors College at Biola University, the Templeton Honors College at Eastern University, the University of Dallas, Whitworth University, and Gonzaga University in Florence.